all. Welcome to Fast Cars and Freedom, your worst take network NASCAR podcast. I am your host, Stephanie. Joining me today is my boy, Matt. What up, girl? So this is going to be a bonus episode. Normally, we name our episodes after a driver that correlates to the number um, of the episode that we're putting out. But this is a surprise. Like, we have a special guest on with us today. Actually, we're doing round two of this special with this special guest. Um, he is the driver of the 08 Bucked Up Energy Eat Sleep Race Chevrolet Camaro for the SS Greenlight Racing and NASCAR Xfinity Series, Joe Graff Jr. Welcome to the show, JGJ. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate um, you taking the time out of your, your schedule to, to do this with us. It means a lot. Yeah. No, of course. It means a lot to be here. I'm uh, really stoked to talk to you guys. So we want to we wanna dive right in and we want to go back a little bit uh, to the beginning in your ARCA career. Um, so JGJ, you started competitively driving the 77 for Chad Bright Racing in 2018 in what was supposed to be a six-race season, but instead it became a full-time ride. How did you manage to turn what seems to be like a, a short-term contract into a full ride? Yeah, um, a lot of things had to fall the way they did for that to even become an opportunity for me. We uh, we were scheduled just to run six short track races that year with Chad. So because of that, I didn't run the first race at Daytona. Um, and our first race was at Nashville, the second race of the ARCA schedule. Unfortunately, I broke my foot six days before that. Still decided to race and opted to not get a cast and have them tape the bone in place while I went and raced Nashville. We ended up leading some laps in my first start there. We, uh, we were having a really good run. We were running third on the last restart. We actually broke a transmission on that restart, which took us out of contention for a win. But overall, still had a really good day. We're really competitive all day, led some laps, and had a really good showing. Then we uh, went on to Salem after that, which was the third race of the ARCA schedule that year. Had another good run there learned a lot. And then what really gave me the opportunity to run more races that I wasn't scheduled to run was Chad Bryant racing had another driver scheduled to run Talladega. And that fell, that fell through three days before the race. Fortunately, fortunately for me, I tested at Daytona, the Daytona oval at the ARCA test earlier that year and made my 10 laps to get approved to run tracks bigger than a mile. So by doing that, I was actually eligible to race Talladega. So Chad decided to give me an opportunity at Talladega, and we went there. Uh, We had a really good day all day, and we ended up finishing second there in the closest finish in ARCA history and Talladega history. And it was was really cool for us. Um, And that's kind of what gave me an opportunity to go to Toledo, which was the next race we were not scheduled to do. We had a really good day there, ended up third, uh, still on a broken foot for all these races. And Chad then signed me on for the rest of the year. And it was, it was a really awesome deal. That's incredible. I I think one thing I heard you say there was certification. I didn't, I don't know if I realized that that was a thing. Yeah, I had no idea. Is is that something you guys have to like, almost like a test to see if you can qualify and be eligible to drive on like the longer tracks and stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in order to be qualified to race a Daytona or a Talladega or somewhere like that in ARCA, you have to go pass a certification at the ARCA test usually. So you just have to make 10 laps out there and show that you can, you can do that, right? So I wasn't planning on, on racing either of those races, but I was down in Daytona in January and I went to the, the architect was two days. I watched the first day, got to know the team, things like that. Just went down there to hang out. And uh, Chad let me take the car out and get my certification just because it was a good thing to have. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not knowing that three races later, that would be the only thing that allowed us to race Talladega. That's wild. You were just right place, right time. That, so, so many things had to, fall the way they did for me to get that opportunity even like i had to get the certification i had to the other driver that had to fall through three days before the race like so many things had to go our way for that opportunity to even come about and that's before we even get to the track and then we had a bunch of stuff go our way as well where were you when you got the call that they wanted you down at talladega in three days uh so i was actually in mooresville um i i lived down there at the time so I was actually at the shop when they told me, but oh, when nice. I got, when I got like, when they told me that I, I'd never raced anything bigger than a mile and we're going to the biggest track in NASCAR, right? Like this is, <laughs> right. this is the longest oval in the sport. So it was, it was really crazy for me. I was really excited because it was one of my favorite tracks growing up, but I think in those three days, I probably watched 40 hours of film and, uh, I racing and sim stuff, just trying to get ready for it because yeah. it was it, it was a huge curveball for me and like it was an awesome opportunity. Um, I didn't want to let it. I wanted to make the most of the opportunity, so I just I I remember sleeping very little in those three days leading up to it. I would say that you one hundred percent made the most of that opportunity. Right. Um, so you. We, you mentioned earlier that you had broke your foot um, like six days prior to your first start. And then Talladega was what your – was that your third start? Um, yeah, that was my third start. Still on a broken foot. And you're running around the fastest track in the U.S., the longest track in NASCAR. like, And then you finish second in the closest finish in ARCA and – Talladega history like Matt and I actually just watched a video last night of what NASCAR calls the fat the closest finish in NASCAR history I think it was like uh Craven and Spencer I believe and yep and then we went back and watched yours afterward and I they're almost dead even is what it looks like um yeah it I looks don't identical even, yeah and Matt and I have watched that video at least 10 times of your Talladega finish. Absolutely. Um, but you did unfortunately end up coming in second in that win. And to Zane Smith, who congratulations to Zane Smith, just got two wins in the truck series in the last few weeks. Um, but you came in second to him and you're beating and banging down the front straight away before you hit that start finish line. In your mind, you just won this race. What did that feel like? Um, afterwards when you found out just how close you were that you would actually set a record and that you did not win the race? Well, I actually, 
what was funny about it is when the finish initially happened, uh, the team came over the radio and told me that I had one. Oh. So I, I thought from the start finish line of that last lap up until probably coming off a two that I had won. Um, so obviously it was definitely heartbreaking to hear going down the backstretch that it was under review and then through three and four that I didn't win, but that's gotta be an emotional it, roller coaster. Yeah. It, it, it went from like, it, it went from being super high to like, I was still really excited that I was even part of that finish and had a really good run there. But to think that I had won in my third start to then realize 30 seconds later that that wasn't the case. It was definitely tough. Oh, the man. longest lap at Talladega. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ever. <laughs> oh. oh, I heartbreaking. I think is probably the only way to describe that. Um, but you did end up getting the nickname from your team during this time of the Iron Man, right? Because of everything that you you went through, that you were going through, your the way you were pushing through the pain, and like, nah, don't cast my foot, wrap that bad boy up. I'm going racing. Like, like who does that? Yeah, like, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, I was I was really excited when they gave me that. Um, I've always been a huge Marvel fan and a huge Iron Man fan myself. But when they, I actually didn't know that they, they nicknamed me that until they gifted me a helmet. Um, and it, it's, it's an Iron Man helmet. And that's what the nickname was. And I, I still use it in the Xfinity series today. Like it's, it's awesome. Um, that's amazing. But yeah, just, I, I raced probably up until June on a broken foot because like it took longer to heal than it should have. Cause I, I was originally going to get a cast on it after Nashville or, or after Salem, because those were the two I was scheduled to race. But then when Talladega came up, I didn't get it on. And then Toledo after that, they like, I just kept getting more opportunities to race. So I never got an opportunity to put a cast on it. Mm. And no part of me would have got a cast on my foot either. No, no, totally understandable. Yep. Um, I saw that helmet though. That was a pretty, pretty sweet helmet. I'm a captain America fan, but Iron Man's for- better. We all know that. Whatever. For <laughs> Iron Man, that was a pretty, pretty cool looking helmet. That's nice. Um, Thank you. So during your second full ARCA season, uh, you finished fifth in the standings, which is impressive. You were a freshman at NYU, held an internship with Richard Childress Racing. You drove three races for RCR in the Xfinity Series. Like, just reading that, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Uh, yeah. How, how were you able to balance school with your ARCA, Xfinity, your RCR responsibilities? Like, can you take us through that journey? Yeah, it, it was it was a really crazy year. Like, I really needed to make sure I was on a schedule and keeping to that schedule because I was on campus for a lot of it. And thankfully, NYU, uh, they worked with me to make my classes Monday through Wednesday. So I was still full time. So what that did is it put five days of classes into basically two and a half days. So I remember my Monday and Tuesday, I would be in class from like eight 30 to nine o'clock at night. And then from eight 30 in the morning to three on Wednesday, I'd still be in class. But what that allowed me to do is then I could leave to go to a race Wednesday afternoon. And I had the rest of the week to focus on that. 
not there's no there's no part of me that wants to ever go through that experience that sounds like a lot it it definitely was it what what helped me with it too is uh i'm a dual major at nyu so i'm gonna get a business media and sports management degree as well as a business one. what that allowed me to do is a lot of what i was doing on the business side of racing i was also doing in school so like i remember one of my classes was a research class and at the end of the semester we had to hand in a 30 page research paper so for the whole semester we were researching a topic and had to turn in a paper at the end right there's a lot of steps and everything else but i decided that my uh my project was going to be on sponsorship and advertising in NASCAR. So what that allowed me to do is it helped me learn about what sponsors are looking for, how to get them their best ROI and really to understand what my partners need and are looking for in racing. And it just gave me a whole new understanding of that side of it. So I like my school in that way actually helped with racing and even even now, like over quarantine, I was working with some of my professors from NYU to put together my pitch book for sponsors and things like that. And they were tremendous in helping with that. So just the the overlap has been really cool. Yeah, that actually sounds incredibly smart for building you, your team and your future. Like, right. I don't understand why I feel like every driver in the sport should be doing exactly that. That sounds like you're way ahead of the game. That's awesome. Thank you so, guys. Not only not only was he a freshman at NYU, he was dual majoring, driving Xfinity cars, holding an internship at RCR, and an ARCA driver. Absolutely ridiculous. Exhausting. Well, and what, what, what was really cool about the internship is I actually, uh, I, I had no plans of racing Xfinity last year. I was full-time ARCA. Um, just focused on that, but I wanted to be able to come down here and spend some time in North Carolina. So I got an internship at RCR. It was great to learn about that and see the business side of that and work at a team like that. Like they were all tremendous and truly amazing people. But the the greatest thing that came out of that was I actually got my opportunity to drive for them through the internship. So Originally, when I went over there, I was an intern first. I wasn't, I wasn't scheduled to drive anything yet. And then when we started to explore options to maybe run a truck or an Xfinity car, uh, they, they asked us, why don't we do it over there? Um, and that's kind of how those three races came about. Wow. Wow. That, that's wild, man. You, you seem like you are in the right place a lot. Yep. <laughs> That's the, incredible. The stars are aligning for you. Seriously. Um, what was it like actually driving for RCR last year? It was definitely surreal for me. Like that's a that's a team I grew up watching and mm -hmm. idolizing, right? So then to be able to drive for a team that has that much history in the sport and has done so much was just it was like my childhood dream come true. Yeah. I can only imagine what that must have been like. Ah. Uh, super jealous. Um but, but go ahead, Matt. Steph, you sure? Yeah. Okay. So we 
we know you drove for RCR those those three races. How has it been since driving for the team owner Bobby Dotter and the SS Greenlight Racing? It's been great. Bobby is a phenomenal guy and really knowledgeable in the sport. It's it's been great to work with them. Um, my my favorite thing about working with them is ironically because it's a smaller team, I feel like closer to everybody that works there. Like there were so many people at RCR that like I became close with a lot of them, but there was so many that it was hard to really get close with everybody. Right. So over at SS Greenlight, we only have uh, four guys in the shop. So we're traveling together. We're going out to dinner together at every race. I'm at the shop with them all the time. So it's just really cool to be able to, mesh with them like that yeah get to know your team become a family right that's really cool um so now like we said you're in the 08 ss Greenlight chevy camaro and it's your first official xfinity rookie season uh you started at daytona the daytona 300 in february and you qualified fit for that race and this was pre-covid when we were NASCAR drivers were actually qualifying, going out there, running their practice laps, and then going out there and running their fastest laps to see where you're going to start. And in your very first rookie Xfinity start, you're fifth. What what were you feeling in that moment when you when you went out there and ran that lap and and found out you were starting fifth? What was that like? Uh, it was it was awesome. Like I can't thank uh, everybody over at SS Greenlight enough for putting that car together that that was we were really fast there had a great run um in qualifying and just it was really cool to right out the gate have my best qualifying run of my career in xfinity Uh, i remember racing for rcr last last year i qualified sixth at daytona so i uh got one spot better there to open up the season this year it was just really cool to do that with my team Wow, that that's pretty amazing. That's gotta that's gotta feel so good knowing like I'm going into my first rookie season, and I do so well right out the gate. This might be an incredible year for us. Which, but then, yeah, it, it it brings up what I feel like I would like to to know your side of is what actually happened at Daytona when Michael Annette wrecks. Austin Hill seems to be watching Annette like trying to avoid him and stuff. And then out of nowhere, Hill comes inside, takes you out. Can you, can you walk us through like that whole chaos? Yeah, it, it, it was definitely really tough on us. We, uh, we were planning on just playing it safe. The first two stages kind of making it through so that we weren't coming out of a hole out of Daytona. Like we didn't want to, get caught up in some of the early wrecks and now the rest of the season we're digging ourselves out of a hole. So unfortunately that's what happened, but it just really sucked because it seemed like the wreck was kind of over and we, uh, we got collected there and obviously it it ended Austin's day too. Like he didn't mean to do it by any means, but like, obviously it's really difficult to, make decisions at 200 miles an hour. I'm sure he didn't know I was there. And... We lost you again, JGJ. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, nope, you're good. No worries. 
so yeah, like it was a split second choice at 200 miles an hour. Unfortunately, ended our day. He couldn't have known we were there, but just being at the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess. And uh, it ended our day down at Daytona. Yeah, that's got to be rough, especially has, with such a strong start. Right, that's got to be real frustrating. Um, so there's a couple of tracks that Matt and I are really curious about because watching them um, from home was so interesting and so fun to watch, but also seemed like incredibly chaotic. Uh, three weekends ago, you drove at Road America. The, the race got red flag for lightning, and then it started raining in the middle, and you guys go out. You were running on slicks at the beginning, if I'm, if I'm correct, and then had to change two rain tires. And then we're watching the restarts, Matt and I, and it just looks like a cloud of smoke behind first and second place. And I don't know how you could even see out of that car. What was that like driving in there in that situation and a road course? Like how insane. It it was definitely a new experience to me. And for me, like road courses are completely new to me. Uh, Indianapolis earlier this year was my first time ever racing a road course in anything. So like there was a huge learning curve that came with that. And then, because I have no road course experience, I've never raced one in the rain either. So going to Road America, that oh, was man. that was definitely a learning experience. I, I what surprised me was the hardest part about driving in it was just not being able to see. Like you guys said, like these cars throw up such a rooster tail that you can't see anything except the blinking lights in front of you from the other cars. So you're kind of trying to follow them and hope they don't get off the track. So it was it was definitely a big learning experience for me there with that. But overall, I I feel I learned a lot from it. Um, I wasn't too happy with how we ran at Road America, to be honest. I put, um, like going into the Daytona Roval the following week, I put a ton of work in to get better there. Um, one of the other drivers who is really, really good on road courses, Will Rogers, actually helped me that whole week. And uh, came down there and did some spotting for me, too. That's amazing. Just, just trying to help me get around. And it, it helped a lot. I felt we were a lot better at the Daytona Roval than we were at Road America. Unfortunately, we blew a left front tire under green at Daytona. And we blew it in that new chicane right there. And when we blew it, we missed the chicane. And I didn't come to a complete stop before pulling on the pit road because I had a flat. Right. And we pit under green. They changed the tire. But I had to pit again to do a drive-through for the penalty for not stopping after blowing the chicane. Oh, so that, that put us a lap down, and we were just trying to dig out of that the rest of the day, I felt. You That's... still ended up finishing 18th at the Roval, though, uh, on the Saturday race. The first – was it the Saturday race? You still ended up yeah, finishing – Yeah, that, that, that was Dover this last week. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, Daytona, I'm not sure where we ended up, but it, it wasn't as good as I felt we could have been. No, I think it was uh, similar to your Road America finish. Because I, I want to say at Road America, you finished around 25th. Um, yeah, I, I think it was very similar. Yeah. What, you mentioned something about a blinking light, and I don't know if I've ever noticed that on the cars. What are you, what are you talking about, like a blinking light? So when it rains, they put a blinking red light in the back of each the car, each of the cars so you can see where they are. 
unfortunately they, they weren't brake lights, so they don't have anything to do with the brakes. So you're kind of trying to, on those initial starts, judge how fast you're catching them or how fast they're pulling away as to where the track is. Cause like you have no way of knowing if you're in the braking zones yet or not. Ah, oh. I did not know that. That's amazing. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? It's like your, your second road course experience. It's pouring rain. Here's a blinking light on the back of the car. Go get them. JGJ. Good luck, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was definitely crazy. Like a, a, a huge, huge learning experience for me. No doubt. So you got to do that this year. I think that's amazing. You got to be a part of the Daytona Roval inaugural race. Uh, Matt and I were super stoked about that. We love Rovals. We love road courses. So getting to watch you guys go around that was amazing to us. And then I think, honestly, the Xfinity race that weekend was probably one of the best races we, we watched through was, all three series. It was one it of was my the favorite. Best. Yeah. Yeah. The Xfinity race was so much fun to watch, mostly because it's like you're just seeing guys out there um, trying to figure it out. And some people managed to, some people didn't. It was super exciting to watch. And it's the first time. There's no practice. There's no qualifying. How, your nerves had to be high, JGJ. Yeah, it was. it was definitely crazy i felt much more prepared going into the daytona roval to be honest than road america and for me i i know that the track was new to everybody but most of these tracks have been new to me every week so yeah. they weren't really that much higher than they were at road america i didn't get any practice there either i've never seen that track either so like i actually felt better going into daytona than i did road america just because I kind of felt that everybody was in the same boat as me. Nobody's seen this track before. Where at Road America, most of the field has been there before. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I don't even think I thought about it like that. No. Man, I think that's actually a testament to how good of a driver you really are. That this is all pretty much brand new for you. And you're still trying. You're still doing so well with zero qualifying, zero practice. I haven't been on this track before. Um that's incredible. That's just incredible. Thank you, guys. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been tough this year with no practice, no qualifying. Like, I didn't even race a truck. Like, a lot of the people in Xfinity raced trucks for a year or two and then kind of moved up. I went right from ARCA. So, the amount of tracks that I've actually seen before getting there in an Xfinity car is pretty limited. I think I've only seen six or seven of the tracks. So... To then go there in an Xfinity car with no practice, uh, never being on the track in anything, has definitely been an experience for us. I feel that some places I've been able to figure out uh, quicker than others, and we ended up having good days. Like I feel I figured out uh, Dover pretty quick that first race. Unfortunately, we, uh, we were in a hole from the first 20 laps that I was learning. But after that, like we had a really good race. I was really happy with it. But then there's other places that like I, I struggled at Atlanta almost all day. Um, just that track was like nothing I've ever been on. And it took a really long time to kind of understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Kevin Harvick's the only guy that's got that track figured out. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think you're right about that. He's he's the only one that has it 
figured out and then everybody else it's uh who's who's got it figured out a little more than the next guy yeah right do you have any like so coming into each race right like you said it's all brand new to you are there any rituals like to try to calm your nerves or do you have like lucky charms or anything like that um not really to be honest i uh i do a lot of uh different breathing exercises and things to try to get myself in the frame of mind to go do it. But Mm -hmm. there's not really anything, uh, any rituals or anything I have before each race. It's just like the preparation I do during the week. I definitely have a schedule with that. But other than that, I don't have any like at track rituals really. Yeah. Matt and I are huge. Um, yeah, we're pretty superstitious over we're, here. We're, yeah, we're very superstitious. My koozie has to match the car. My, uh, I like to wear a shirt that matches it in some way. If my driver did bad with that shirt on, I take the shirt off and I change. I don't wear it again for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm yeah. doing my part now. Yeah. Now my driver's got to do his part. It's like next weekend. Uh, as soon as I, as soon as I get my new, my new JGJ shirt in, next weekend if you don't do well in it, it's got to go. I got to get a new one. i I, I like to think every little bit helps yeah no doubt no doubt we're doing our part sending the good vibes your way jdj yeah thank you i am i am definitely open to any anything that brings the good luck all day uh so you mentioned dover uh it was your third double header of the season but not your final you have another one actually coming up so it seems like NASCAR is like trying to pile it all in, which as fans, we love um, having two races a week or for like the cup series, having a race on a Wednesday and then another race on a Sunday. But for the actual drivers, like that has to be such an intense schedule for you guys. Like how is, cause you're still in college right now, right? Well, we're on summer break right now, but I start oh, back okay. up in a couple of weeks. Okay. So part of the season you were still in college you're on break right now you're running a very strenuous xfinity schedule how how stressful has that been or what's it been like it's it's definitely been a grind like uh i know the cup guys i don't think they've gotten an off weekend period but we only had one since we've been back from covid and we don't have another one until the end of the year so it's it's been a grind for everybody us drivers the crews of the shop uh, i mean really everybody it's just been nonstop, but like what I, I always like to see the good in every situation, right? So like COVID obviously brought a lot of bad, but some of the good things I felt that we got the opportunity to do as an industry is kind of try out a lot of new stuff. Like, yes, in some ways we were forced to do it, but like, we've run cup races on Wednesday. We've run numerous double headers this year now. And like, there's so many different things we're trying that we've tried, obviously no practice, no qualifying, different stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting to see what works and what doesn't and what they may decide to ultimately, uh, after COVID. Yeah. What they might keep around for the next season. Right. Yeah, like I, I do think there's there's been some good stuff to come out of it that obviously I don't want it to stay like this 
for any longer, to be honest. Like, I want fans <laughs> in the next race. Like, I, this is this is crazy. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of stuff that I feel they can kind of tweak a little bit or just keep it as it is moving forward. Like, I really like um, – I, as a fan of NASCAR Cup racing, really enjoyed watching the All-Star race on a Wednesday at Bristol. Oh, yeah. It like, was amazing. I, I, like that's that's just really cool. Like I I would love to see more weekly NASCAR racing and what like I'm I'm a little bit selfish about it because I do it. Like I would much rather see the Cup race at the track before I go there, so I kind of see what state the track's in, <laughs> things like that. Right. Like it, it, it'd be cool to have them uh do it do it during the week, so I uh I can watch watch some more of them. I'm not traveling or anything while they're going on. Right. I think that's part of the reason why like it, Daytona was the Roval was so easy for the cup guys. Cause they watch you do it first and then they watch the truck series do it first. They were like, all right, we, <laughs> we can figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. No, oh, that's funny. Speaking of Daytona, you're actually going back to Daytona next weekend. Uh, we're told by some of your team that this is one of your favorite tracks. So why is Daytona one of your favorite tracks? And then concerning your return after the, great start but horrible finish in your first race there like what are you most excited for upon returning to daytona well i i have a lot of favorite tracks to be honest with you um okay but daytona's been one of my favorites just because of the history it has there and i've i've been going down uh and racing what you guys would call speed weeks, but like I, I raced legend cars down there and late models and things during that week, my entire life growing up. So like, I always got to go over and see the big track here and there and stuff like that. And so it was really cool to be able to race there. And that's just what makes it one of my favorite tracks. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back because I have a little bit different of a mentality going into this weekend than I did to start the year at Daytona, uh, mainly because I don't, I was kind of conservative to start the year. Cause obviously, like I was saying, you don't want to be digging yourself out of a hole, uh, after the first race because you got caught up in something early, but right. not to say that you ever want that to happen, but obviously this far into the season, your, your year kind of is what it is. Yeah. in a lot of ways so i feel that we can be pretty aggressive going into this weekend um that being said you can't do anything do anything stupid you still have to finish the race obviously yeah. right you can't ruin other people's day or ruin your day like you we're, we're all still looking for a good finish but uh instead of kind of hanging back those first two stages like we did the first daytona we're just going to go see what we have all day and try to race up front. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Right. I cannot wait to see that. And then you're going to be in that bright purple and yellow bucked up energy car. Like we're going to, I just want to see you drive through that field and be aggressive. Oh, I hope you get a win this weekend. Yeah. I Me too. That's your win. That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to run that car too. Like that, that is definitely the, like most standout car I, I've ever raced. Like you're not going to be able to miss that on TV. I, I don't think there's another one out there that looks even close. 
No way. Not at all. No Actually, way. The closest. You... Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, did you by any chance have anything to do with that paint scheme? Yeah, so uh, there was actually a lot of people who had a hand in that. Um, everybody fucked up definitely had a hand in it. Everybody over at uh, my marketing team, um, Nate had a lot to do with that. And I I had a lot to do with it, too. Like it was, I, I just wanted something that was different going into Daytona. Um, and we, we definitely got that. Why purple and purple and yellow? Um, I just felt that that's what would stand out the most. Like, just yeah. I I went through the field and I wanted something that nobody else was running. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely gonna stand out. I can't wait to see it. No, the the only thing that even comes close to it is when what was it Willie B and a couple of the other Cup guys drove a the Kobe Bryant tribute paint schemes. That's the only thing that's ever come close, I think, to to standing out like that and looking good. Right. Because there's been cars that stood out and were not pretty. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. And, and I think the pictures don't do it justice, so I'm, oh, I'm really no. looking forward to seeing it on the track. No, you, you guys are definitely in for a treat when we get there uh, on Friday. Oh, I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> um, actually, speaking about bucked up energy... It's it's new to NASCAR. It's new to you and your team. Like how how is that partnership working out for you guys? Well, the partnership's been great for us. We uh, I'm I'm really excited to be able to bring them into the sport. And I've been really blessed throughout my entire racing career that pretty much all of my sponsors I've been able to relate to really well, and I genuinely use their products and things like that. So. Before Bucked Up even sponsored me, I actually used a lot of their supplements and things when working out. So they were a supplement company to start. They just launched their energy drink last November. Oh, wow. So it's fairly new, and uh, I'm, I'm just really happy to be the one to be able to bring them into the sport and kind of grow – with them in the sport like it's it's going to be really cool we have a multi-year deal with them so they're they're not going anywhere anytime soon nice that's awesome uh so how are your other relationships with your other partners going with uh eat sleep race and you just signed i think like a week ago the band avoid yeah so like i said same thing with bucked up like i i love the whole eat sleep race lifestyle i i actually uh I haven't put a picture of it up yet, but we actually have an Eat Sleep Race car at the SS Greenlight shop right now. Um, I haven't announced where we're going to run it yet, but we do have a few races with them this year as well, and I'm really excited for that. And I love I love Avoid. So I'm a huge NASCAR Heat fan. Like, I remember playing, yes. um, like, the NASCAR video game since I was a kid. So, like, I I think my first one was maybe Dirt to Daytona or something like that. Like, this was a long, long time ago. But I've I've always been a huge NASCAR video game guy. And when, like, hearing a void on there, like, they are a phenomenal band. Like, their stuff's just awesome. Like, I, I absolutely love listening to it. So, to be able to partner with them and get them on the car and hopefully have them out to some races, like, it's it's awesome for me. It's surreal. Oh, it yeah. sounds amazing. And I'm going to tell you sponsorship works because I'm not sure that I'd ever heard of them until we we found out you were partnering with them. And then Matt and I 
sat there and listened to him for a hot minute. Yep. Um, so just a few more things. If you're if you're still cool with us, JGJ. Um, yeah, of course. So just to like broad picture, what are some of your goals for the remainder of the NASCAR Xfinity Series season? And then what are your goals in this sport? Like as a whole. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a really tough question. My my goal this year is just to keep learning and keep improving. We've been uh we've had some really good runs I felt and we've had uh some tracks that I definitely would like to be better at when we go back to them. So just to keep improving um and and growing as a team like is is huge to me. Um just keep getting our results better and better. Uh and I feel we've definitely been doing that as the year has gone on. We've uh, definitely been getting better and better, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do that. And as far as the sport as a whole, um, it's it's really tough to pick out goals. Like, obviously, uh, I definitely want to race a cup car on Sundays, but it's it's really hard to zero in on specific goals because mm-hmm. the sport's always changing, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see over the next few years where, where we end up, what opportunities come our way and how everything pans out. I can't say that I have one concrete goal, like, uh, being, being where I am now. I, like, I didn't, I didn't even plan on being here four years ago. Like I was just two years ago, really or two or three years ago. I was just like a weekly Saturday night racer. Um, I, I raced modifies the Stafford in Connecticut. So like this wasn't like, this has always been a dream of mine, but it wasn't necessarily a goal. Like so many things had to fall the way they did, whether it was like the ARCA opportunities over at Chad Bryant, like we only had the, the six short track races and we got some opportunities and it turned into almost two full seasons. So it's, it's so tough to, uh, pick or it's so tough to like really just pick one goal it's just i want to be continuously getting better and hopefully competing for wins and whatever i'm racing yeah that makes sense and if you keep ending up in the right place at the right time like you've been doing so often i I feel like this is this is going to go a lot further than anybody's going to expect yeah i think we've we've said that quite a few times um on this episode so far but you know, I'm a huge believer in you put positivity out there, then it comes back to you. And just in the last two days that we've talked to you, you just seem like such a an amazing and good human being that I don't see everything that you dream of not like happening for you. Like, it's just, I feel like it's coming your way and it's incredible. And I hope that we get to watch you on this journey. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate that. Um, so there's something we like to do on the show before we wrap up. And the way we normally do it is we, we each of us gives our greatest take from the past weekend, our worst takeaway from the last weekend, and then what would we change about that track if we could. But we want to switch it up a little bit with you. So just talking your rookie Xfinity season, what is what has been the greatest moment of your rookie season? What has been the worst moment of your rookie season? And if there was anything you could change, what would that be? 
Ooh. Um, it's tough to pick just one, one moment out of it. Like we've had some good runs. Like, uh, I think the best race for us this year was probably Texas. Uh, unfortunately it didn't show it, but we were running 12th there for a while, like a, a really good run for us. And unfortunately on our green flag stop, my, uh, tachometer that tells me uh basically how fast we're going on pit road stopped working it fell out so we ended up speeding on pit road under green and had to pit again we still ended up uh not having a bad day but would have had a much better day if we didn't have to do that um so that that was probably um one of our better runs not not better results but one of our better runs uh same thing with Bristol earlier this year. Like I, I had a, a lot of fun at Bristol. Um, ended up having my best finish there of my Xfinity career. So that was really cool. We ended up 13th there. Um, and we've been 13th a lot this year. Like I, uh, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun at at Homestead earlier this year too. Um, had some really good runs there. Ended up 13th there. That was probably one of my favorite tracks. And, um, I mean, as far as the lows go, it's, it's gotta be probably Pocono. Um, Mm. I've raced Pocono four times in Arca was really looking forward to going to race there. It was really the only track on the schedule that I had a lot of experience on. I felt, and I, I, you, you guys saw how the race in general at Pocono win. I mean, everybody wrecked almost. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we uh, I think it was lap six or seven, but we didn't even get a full green flag lap in. And we were involved in one of the cautions in turn one that so that that ended our day. That was probably the biggest heartbreaker for me because I felt we were going to have a really good day there. Yeah, I could see that. Would you change anything about this season? Um. Yeah, if if uh, well, I I feel a lot of people are gonna say this, but if we could uh, postpone coronavirus a couple hundred years, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, that but, makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's there's a lot of stuff that comes with that, but I would uh, I would I would I would really enjoy that to be honest with you guys. Uh, we we are all there with you. Yep, we're pretty over it. I just I heard a rumor um, that you. You beat your dad at Bethel. Is that true? Um, yeah. So I actually raced my dad for years at Bethel. Um, he beat me a lot there. I, I beat him a lot. And it was it was really cool because for the first, uh, really for the majority of my racing career, I was actually racing with him. Like I, I traveled the country racing legend cars with him. I raced in Bethel every week in a legend car. And when I started out in Bandoleros, it was like – it was us. It was him working on my car with me, and it was it was really cool to build that bond. But um, it was it, it was really cool racing with him. We have some really good memories doing it, and uh, we definitely have um, some incidents that we wish didn't happen on track between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what that was like. Uh, it, it, it was, it's, it's definitely crazy. I, I remember, um, 
this probably wasn't that long ago, maybe 2016, 2017. Uh, I was battling with him for a win. He he was leading and I was second with three to go. And I, I tried to move him going down into three and <laughs> he, he couldn't hold on to it. He spun out. Um, and ultimately cost us both the win. And I, I remember, uh, like it's, it's kind of crazy. Like I'm always racing for a win, but like, it's, it, you almost race somebody that, you know, like, especially with the relationship I have with him. Like I almost race him harder than I race anybody else. Right. He'll yeah. um, get you quicker. Get like, I'm, bragging I'm, not, rights. I'm not just going to let him win. Right. Yeah. So, not at all. Um, Tried tried to do that there, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. We uh we have a difference of opinion on that <laughs> incident there, but like it, it was it was really cool. Um, just like looking back on it, even the bad memories end up being good memories because it's yeah. just it's 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 really cool to do it with your dad like that. Right, I can imagine. It's got to be amazing, man. That's awesome. Um, so real quick, Joe, uh, we were supposed to shoot this show yesterday. We, we started to record the episode and didn't realize the recording had actually ended. And, uh, we put it out there on Twitter that we had a driver on the show, the recording stopped and your immediate reaction. We didn't say who the driver was. Um, going to let the followers guess, but we told them that you're, pretty much immediate reaction to when we found out it wasn't recording that, uh, well, let's start over. And I think Matt and I were both very shocked by that reaction and very, um, humble. I, I don't know the exact word. We were really blown away because yeah, we'd already taken so much of your time and you immediately were like, let's, let's do it again. And so you came back today and that's a great testament, I believe, to who, we we see you as as a human being um and just thank you so much for coming back here with us and giving us another opportunity uh, yeah, to do this with it's you it's greatly appreciated oh, oh of course guys i've i've really enjoyed talking with you to be honest so it, it was uh i i definitely didn't didn't have a problem doing it again i, I actually enjoyed it awesome um when we were supposed to record yesterday though it was my grandmother's birthday so I was wondering if you would be willing to give her a quick little shout out. Her name is Norma Jean. Give her a little happy birthday, maybe. Of course. From Joe Graff Jr., happy birthday, Norma Jean. Yes. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> oh, That's going to make her day. It's going to tickle her pink, as she would say. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, we, are, we are fans for life, JGJ. We... Hope to see you in pit road one day. We hope to, I would love to be there at your first win, but the way the season's going, I hope you get your first win before we're allowed back. Um, so that's hopefully not going to happen, but I would love for you to come back on our show in the future. If that's ever something you want to do again, this has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. 100% girl. Um, it's been a blast. Yeah. We love you, and thank you so much for being with us and doing this. Well, th well, thanks for having me on, guys. I look forward to being back, and uh, I really hope things get back to normal so I can have you guys at a race. Absolutely. Cannot wait. Cannot All wait. Right. Thank you again. Joe Graff Jr., everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
Wow. Was that that was the most amazing thing I think that's happened in my life in a long time, girl. I'm I literally kidding. I literally led a football team onto the field and met football players that day. But I don't know that that even compares. Being able to have him on here with us and like just kind of like pick his brain and girl, it was absolutely amazing. And I think that like I don't know what I expected. Uh, when we started this with him, um, but I think he surpassed every expectation that I that I could have possibly had. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not playing. He needs to start selling more stuff. I need diecasts. I need car parts. I need helmets. I need t-shirts. I need koozies. I'm. Oh, girl, we're we're about to clean racks. Zero eight all over my house. Right. I'm gonna. I'm only drinking bucked up energy. You know what Actually, I'm saying. I'm actually going to look into it because, you know, I drink a lot of energy drinks. I'm I'm definitely do. down to, to try those out if I can nope. find them somewhere here. It's already happened. That's all I drink now. One just yeah. magically appeared. JGGA <laughs> magic over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, playing. That was the greatest experience. Uh, what a What great, a guy. What a great human being. Yeah. Uh, anyways. All right. Thanks for listening to us ride that high for a little bit there, guys. Um. Let's wrap it up, Matt. All right, girl. Uh, where can they listen to the podcast? So if they're wanting to listen to uh, Fast Cars of Freedom, NASCAR podcast, they can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find Fast Cars of Freedom. And then you guys can follow us on social media at NASCAR WTN on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Fast Cars and Freedom. By the way... Joe Graff Jr. follows us on Twitter, so kind of is that just adds to it, girl. It's so good. Thanks um, again, Joe. Amazing. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, if you want to write in, if you want us to answer something on one of our episodes, hit us up at Fast Cars and Freedom WTN at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys next week after Daytona, hopefully after a JGJ win. That would be amazing. Hope to see you in Victory Lane, Joe Graff Jr.